0: Uh, I'm excited about this, and I think y'all will be too. We have Sue Bonner and Deanna Smith. Deanna is Sue's daughter. Um, and they're going to talk about how it is when mom moves from Memphis and moves in with your family and all of the adjustments that have to go along with that. So uh, for those, those of you who do not know Deanna, uh, she grew up in Memphis, is a graduate of Harding Academy. She attended Pepperdine. Uh, She has a degree in accounting as a CPA and then took that and went into counsel, I mean to, um, uh, what did you go into? (laughs) Just research. Consulting and research (laughs) and so forth. And then in uh, 2005, moved to Nashville to become, uh, later become CEO of the Sarah Cannon Center uh, and the research there. So uh, most recently, she received the Pepperdine University uh, Distinguished Alumnus Award and which is very exciting, but I, to me the thing that was more exciting is she has then since then been named the chairman of the board at Pepperdine, uh, the first woman and the first Pepperdine graduate to be the chairman of the board there. So that's that's exciting. Um, she's also been named a healthcare hero in Nashville, and um, she's married to Hubie, who has joined us, who they drug along today too, and um, has um, one son and uh, two daughters, one of which is getting married on. Uh, New Year's Eve. So, big wedding coming up. And all of that is very impressive. And I've known Deanna for a while. I've known of Deanna a lot longer than I've actually known her. I have always been very impressed with everything she's done. But I'm most impressed the fact that she's Sue Bonner's daughter. And, um, anybody who knows Sue, that Sue has three daughters. Uh, all outstanding women. Uh, outstanding in their field, just wonderful Christian women. And, um, she tells the story of when uh, her husband died. That um, Deanna had said, "Mom, when something happens to Dad, I want you to move to Nashville." He died. They had the funeral. They were, Deanna was getting ready to, to leave, and she said, "Mom, you're not packed." And Sue said, "Where am I going?" She said, "You're coming to Nashville to live with us." And Sue said, "I am, but not today. I got, <laughs> I, got I got too much to do. We'll talk about this on another day, you know." So now, Deanna, I don't know whether that tro- that's that's the exact close. That- it's close. That's the story I've heard, anyway. So, uh, thank you all for being here this morning, and I'm going to turn it over to Sue and Deanne. Right. Okay.
1: Uh, where do you want to sit, Mom? I uh, think
2: like I'll sit here. 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 Okay. You want to get this chair up? Right. Thank
0: you. I think I turned this up. Yes.
2: Did any of you see this page in the newspaper today? I thought it was most appropriate um, with America Aging Caregivers' need to feel our support. And I think that fits so well in what we're talking about and what some of our uh, church members have experienced. And so I recommend that all of us read that and see how we can be of help in that. Um I'm just really happy to be here with you this morning, and especially happy to have my daughter with me. Um, I'm gonna tell. I'll to you. Okay. Okay. See, she just takes care of me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna tell a little bit of my story and try to set the stage for our shared shared story. Um, but I'll tell you this first. It's been so many years since I've done something like this. I used to do this a lot, but I, I've forgotten what it was like, and so uh, you'll forgive me if I stumble and, and get all mi- get my words all mixed up. So uh, hopefully to prevent that, I'm going to just probably read this to you. I, I sometimes do better when I read. So... Um, I was born in Arkansas, went to school there, graduated from Arkansas State University, uh, and um, began teaching in a small town in southeast Missouri, and eventually married the coach with whom I'd attended college. And after a series of moves, our family, my husband and our our three daughters, uh, moved to Memphis, where we lived for 44 years. Uh, By that time, Dee had gone to uh, work for an insurance company while I continued teaching. He was not a Christian at the time and had difficulty um, coping with the stress he encountered in his other job. Uh, He became an alcoholic, and our lives were filled with the chaos associated with alcoholism. It was difficult to establish a routine and um, to find help for our three girls. Deanna was the youngest, and to put it mildly, (laughs) she was glued to my side, (laughs) literally. To calm her fears, uh, she often ended up on my side of the bed where she spent the rest of the night. And... um, The older girls slept upstairs and had each other to help each other. Um, My husband's health began to deteriorate rapidly after two heart attacks exacerbated by the alcoholism, diabetes, chain smoking, and other problems. He became unable to work and took disability retirement at age 57. But little did I know that God was at that very time working behind the scenes for our good and for his glory. Um, Dee later became a Christian and to my knowledge never took another drink the rest of his life. But that kind of deep pain did not go away for us, any of us. I added another job and spent as much time as possible with the girls. We developed a new kind of normalcy and relied on God to get us through each day. The older girls were amazing. They each developed a deep faith, which made it possible to go on. Deanna was still struggling, but we stayed close, and she confided in me as we talked through her fears, and I watched her mature in amazing ways excuse me, I just do this and can't help it.
1: You're making me cry, and I know the story. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm like, hey, I know this story. I don't know
2: how to cry. <laughs> Oh, uh, anyway, she received a scholarship offer from Pepperdine University, and she was on the road to her f- the four best years of her life up to that point. She blossomed and developed self-confidence and many other qualities that have been so valuable to her. She married one of the kindest, most loving, most supportive men I've ever known. I had told her almost every day that I was praying for the man she would marry. He is and he has been pure gold for our entire family. Eventually, I became a full-time nurse as Dee's health worsened. He developed cancer, and that added to the care he needed. During the final three months in the hospital, we all managed to develop real feelings of care for him because that had been hard to do. Um, the girl surrounded us with love and care. Of course, he knew that he was not going to leave the hospital and he told me almost every day that he wanted me to be with Deanna. He knew that we had a unique relationship. Deanna and her family had moved to Nashville, and they expressed their desire for me to come and live with them. My other daughters were hurt by this decision, but it was really the only choice that I felt was reasonable. Um, uh, Because of our closeness, I had every confidence that Deanna and I would continue the great relationship we'd had as she grew up. And so I was excited. Um, They were moving into a new house, which would have a space for me. I would have my own kitchen, a laundry room, a big bedroom, a private entrance, a garage, I had just everything anybody could possibly want and more than I'd ever dreamed I'd, have, uh, than I dreamed I'd ever have. But as is often the case, things did not necessarily work out the way we'd planned. My space was not completed, so I put everything in storage and slept with Becca, my youngest granddaughter, in her bed. In addition to my snoring loudly enough to wake... Oh th- I know, she's... I, I know.
3: <laughs>
2: but you're not going to get to tell the story <laughs> about <laughs> <laughs> Um My clothes and other things, I had to have filled a large portion of Becca's space. I unknowingly slept on her side of the bed and when I got up every morning and made up the bed I made it in a way she hated. She's very particular about this pillow goes here and this one goes here and she came home and looked at her bed and you know She never mentioned anything, she never complained about anything except to tell me she'd be happier if I didn't make her bed. (laughs) Life changed for all of us, and not always in a good way. I was constantly wondering what had gone wrong. We all expected that things would be the same as it had been when we were all together. But we failed to take into account that we had all changed. Life had changed. The family I had invaded had created a different environment, one that I didn't understand. I was certainly not the mother anymore, and I was puzzled at how the family related to each other and what my place was. It was for sure that our ideas about how to rear children were not the same. (laughs) (laughs) I looked at my daughter and thought, who are you? you? (laughs) What have you you done with my daughter? (laughs) Uh, And i tell you, it's a tribute to my dear son-in-law that Deanna didn't throw me out in the street sometimes. (laughs) He has such a calm demeanor and knows how to bring the volume down. So, and many times we said hurtful things to each other that we really didn't mean. But it's so easy to misunderstand each other when we speak words that hurt. It's hard for me to say. I was so focused on myself and it was hard for me to see what I was doing. Uh, You know, change is often very hard, but it's such a part of life that we just have to adjust to and look for the good. For women who um, no longer had their husbands, they're used to having a, a slow, moving at a slow pace and having quiet and being able to relax and read and, and just do what you wanted to. All of a sudden, the house is filled with children that I don't know and have never seen and are so hungry after school I didn't know what to do. I cooked for the family almost every day and prepared what I thought was an amount that they would eat. Well, my girl, our girls were so happy to see food, they ate it all and it was never enough. So, uh, if they wanted more, uh, I just um, learned a really good lesson. You know, let the meat out of the pantry or the refrigerator, and if things get really bad, we can just order a pizza. That was an easy fix for that. I tried to make my calendar work with theirs so that I would know when to cook and make sure that there would be plenty of food. And if, um, if they had had a schedule, which I'm sure they did, I would know when to cook and make sure there was plenty of food. But even if they had a schedule, it could change in a heartbeat. If I cooked, there might not be anyone ever show up to eat. And if I didn't cook, for sure they would be there to eat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, life lesson learned. Um, Praise God for his grace to me, to my family, who had patience with me. I learned a lot during that hard time. Don't make simple things hard. And that's what I was doing. I soon learned that more than anything, my grandchildren just wanted to be with me and uh, for me to be there with them. Um, I've always found my identity uh, by being a doing person. And what they wanted and needed was a being person who doesn't fall apart when things don't go well. That creates trust in the family. And I so wanted to be an unoffendable person. Do you know what that is? You're just not looking for people to hurt your feelings. And I so wanted to be that way, but that did not always happen. Uh, I wanted to give grace and to receive more. I wanted to be the wise old grandmother for the family who will help in hard times, the person Deanna thought I was. I'm still learning so many things and I'm still making mistakes. Taking comments personally that were not meant to hurt was such a hard thing for me to overcome. I wanted to speak healing words, thoughtless comments That were not meant to hurt was such a hard thing for me to overcome. Uh, I think I said that. Thoughtless comments had the power to destroy the relationships we cherish. I decided that my role in the family was being the cheerleader. Encouraging, affirming, lifting up, and never giving up. Along the way, I found that so many things didn't matter that I put such stock in and thought mattered so much. I came to know that the friends of the... I came to know the friends of the girls and to look forward to being with them. They were precious girls and had more fun. And we just had fun and learned to laugh together. And uh, Rachel's friends, uh, Rachel's the oldest, and and her friends became my friends. And I look forward to the time when... Uh, we did things together. Um, Rachel and I grew very close as we spent more time together. Many times on Wednesday night, her parents were both at work. Huey was coaching, Deanna was working, and there were just the two of us uh, to go to Wednesday night church, and we developed an understanding of each other at that we will absolutely cherish forever. She shared her dreams with me and I cherished those uh, times. You know, there is just absolutely nothing better than being in a car with a grandchild, isn't that right? It's just such a precious time. Um, Some nights she would come down to my place. I was downstairs and she had been out and she would come in She'd say, "Ma'am, may I come in?" Yes. Ma'am, I've got a paper that's due in the morning, and I, tomorrow yeah, morning. Tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And could you help me with it? Do you think you could kind of read it and edit it and 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 help me with it because I really do have to turn it in the next morning. And. Um, I couldn't tell many times if she'd actually started that paper or...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can help you with that.
2: (laughs) Or if, you know, we were going to kind of write this together. (laughs) But we had so many times like that that became so precious to me. And um, when she went to college and came home for breaks... She always saved a day for me. We talked about how we'd grown spiritually while she'd been gone. She was growing in her faith, and I could see that she had a deep desire to help those who needed an extra bit of help. We will always be close. We are bound together with cords of love that can't be broken. I'm so proud of her courage to spend the time in Uganda helping those mothers and babies. God has matured her in those times. And one of the things that's especially sweet to me is that when she writes me a letter, she will always say, You know, ma'am, I feel so sorry for my friends whose grandparents don't live with them, whose grandmother doesn't live with them. She said, you have been our rock, and you uh, have meant so much to me. And what better could a grandmother ever hear? And how sorry could she be that she caused so much trouble in the beginning? (laughs) Um, Um... Okay, where am I? Okay. Now, Becca, who's four years younger than Rachel, had a group of special friends. They had a Wednesday afternoon Bible study that was taught by a student from Lipscomb and his wife. And They met every Wednesday afternoon. They had dinner. And uh, from that group, she then found a smaller group who will always be her best friends. When she comes home and her f- friends are there, she's out the door. She's gone to see her friends and visit with them. And they visit <coughs> even during the school year, even though the colleges they go to are sometimes uh, far apart. But when she's home, I look so forward to being with her and with them because uh, uh you know, she just She's just an absolutely precious child. She has a strong desire to find her life's work in athletics in a division one school. And she's working right now uh, at Pepperdine in the athletic department in a very important role to prepare her for the bigger things in life that she's interested in. Um, She is the child of my heart. we just gravitate toward each other and she i've always said she has the purest heart of anyone i know and god has great things in store for her i've learned so much from her praise god that we can all laugh together about the struggles that brought us closer together deanna and hubie are the best parents Their involvement with all the activities have kept the girls grounded and are always a part of what's going on in their lives, no matter how busy they are. They find the time for the important events. And I have the greatest life now, more than I could ever ask or imagine. Well, now that the children are not here, I find myself reliving precious memories we made taking them and their friends to practices and games, spending good times reading with them, telling them stories about funny things they said and did, and reminding them of how we prayed together, laughing and crying over the good times and bad. We went to the library and the bookstore often, and they've become voracious readers, and that pleases me. We talk about special athletic events they participated in because they're both talented athletes and oh the games we've seen that they've played in when I write to them I tell them how great it is that they've continued to grow their faith and that they can do and be whatever they choose fortunately for me they show great love for me and a phone call or letter from one of them is the best thing you're on
1: you're on (laughs) I think you covered it (laughs) Uh, first of all, let me just say that I'm thrilled to be here. Um, Mom and Paulette is like the most amazing. She's actually the most amazing person. And um, I was on a panel at the Entrepreneur Center, and um, you know I, I have the opportunity to speak a lot in a lot of different places. And, you know, you you don't expect to look up and see your mom sitting in the (laughs) audience, you know, at the Entrepreneur Center in Nashville. Anyway, so I looked up, and my mom's sitting there, and then Paulette is sitting beside her, and, you know, she came and picked mom up and brought her to that, and so what a gift that was and so I just you know you're the most amazing smart gorgeous woman um, and then uh, I'm also super grateful for Otter Creek when mom came to Nashville of course we were like you're going to do everything we did right you don't get a choice you're just going to you're going to want to do everything that we do and we were at 4th Avenue in Franklin at the time a fantastic congregation um, amazing people there but it didn't click for mom And I think that was really um, hard for her because you were still driving at the time and, um, but we all went together and, you know, you have this vision of this is what we're going to do. And guys, when she came to Otter Creek, it was like she had died and gone to heaven. (laughs) I mean, this, these are my people. This is um, who I want to be with. And, Cubie and I were thrilled for that and just were so glad that she had found her church family. I think coming from Memphis to Nashville, that was probably one of the hardest things, leaving the church at White Station where I grew up, you know, that's that's what we do. That's who we are. And so um, I love that, but then I walk in this morning. We walk into the sanctuary and these gorgeous women are sitting on a pew. The same pew they sit on, I'm sure, every Sunday. And they're, they're decked to the nines. I mean, like, I'm having stress about what I'm wearing today because they're going to see me. <laughs> and, um, and you know, these amazing women who are there um, just really reinforced this is the place mom should be and this is the community and those of you who come to get her and um, don't think I'm a terrible person that I, I kind of feel bad they all come get you so much but um you know we are we're just so blessed by the people at Otter Creek and so I want to be sure that you guys know that and we were grumpy that she came to Otter Creek at first but we got over it and it's all worked out it's all worked out great uh from my perspective um my mom, so have you do you guys know the Enneagram? Mm-hmm. You know that whole deal where you get a number and all that? If you know that system, I'm an eight, okay? <laughs> <laughs> eights are kind of awful, Shining. right? Eights are kind of awful. Um, when you think about an eight, there are a lot of there's a lot of good, but the eights, their greatest fear is being controlled. That's greatest fear. Which is not um, completely unexpected being the adult child of an alcoholic. That trapping in that family was really, really hard for me. And so um, I don't want anybody to put um, unnecessary controls, right, Hebe, (laughs) on me. And um, we've worked through a lot, guys. Um, and, And so... When mom came to live with us, you know, I think you described it well. She was my heir that I breathed in a chaotic, really, um, what she didn't share was there was a lot of domestic violence in our home as well. And so that type of chaos, I was really, really hard as a, as a young child in that family. Um, one of the things that we talked about, though, was that in this setting, We were going to be real and authentic and not fake. I think it's really easy and hard for all of us to tell our stories. But when we're fake, it doesn't help anybody. When we don't tell the real truth and show the real brokenness that's there, then we're just all here for image. And I'm just kind of past that. (laughs) He's laughing. He is is laughing and crying this entire time. I want truth, and I want real, and I want authenticity. One of the things that I really struggled with is, and for those of you in this generation, you know, when we were growing up in all the chaos, um, image was really important. So women particularly didn't share, even with their best friends, all that was happening behind closed doors. And... Um, so, you know, mom had us in church three times a week. I mean, all of that, but it was, it was a facade for what was happening behind the scenes. And, and we needed a lot of help, and we just very few people knew of all the chaos that was there. My generation is, um, we are screwed up like everybody else. But um, one of the things I think that I resist is anything that feels like image and doesn't feel real. For me. And so part of my resentment during that time was that it all felt so fake. It was just, you know, we're smiling, we're acting like things are good when they're actually not good. And so that was, you know, it's kind of like uh, the family secret almost. And so when you would go out, you know, you would act one way and then at home there's so much pain so the aid in me that does not want to be controlled is not going to be controlled and so when I went to Pepperdine and I was in this whole new world that um was far away enough that I didn't have to face that reality every day because even though dad stopped drinking you know I think there was a lot of mental illness there as well and um the brokenness that happens in that family, you know, it stays, as mom said, it really stays in the family. And so when dad, uh, so I'm the youngest, my oldest sister is the favorite by a log with my dad, (laughs) with my dad, the favorite. My middle sister had no standing with him at all. And I, because I was the youngest and athletic and all that, you know, we vibed as well. It was You know, it it was a good thing. But my role in the family was to bring peace. Mom, dad didn't really mean that. Dad, mom didn't really mean that. How do we keep peace? How do we keep harmony? How do we do that? And so I think as I moved out of the family, went to Pepperdine, started my career, married Hubie, who is everything um, that you would ever want for your daughter, Um, I really began to see and feel that um, I really struggled with him then because how could you have ever loved me and treated our family that way? How could you have ever? And so I had a lot of bitterness about that, and I found my peace with that. But when he died, um, I'll just confess this to you, in brokenness and all openness and honesty, I was not sad. I wasn't sad. I wasn't sad because... I was looking for peace, and more than anything, I was looking for peace for my mom, because she had had chaos all of my life, and um, had worked so hard, and I was her protector, even as the youngest. So, um, when mom came, this is that this is that dysfunction and brokenness in someone. I thought Hubie and I could fix all of her problems, right? If you just are here and we can take care of you financially, and you don't have to work two jobs because she worked two jobs, and you and, and you have everything you need, and Dad is not being a jerk every day, then you're going to be happy, and everything's going to be fabulous, and you're going to be everything that I've always known you were, and you're completely flawless, and it's going to be awesome when you come to Nashville. And guys, she's not flawless.
3: <laughs> and no
1: kidding. And, and for me to think she was flawless was remember that that child that she had protected so fiercely. So she gets to Nashville, and uh, we wait a year, Paula. Wait a year, and we're like, you and I are let's go, let's let's get up here, let's fix you, let's fix you, let's get you happy, and let's give you everything you could ever want everything. Money is no object. You want to go here, we're doing it. Whatever it is, how do we make you happy? Because I really felt like she deserved that. And so, you know, we children are um, well-meaning and it doesn't always land the way that we need it to land with our our parents. And one of the things I kept telling mom during that time is, I've never been in my 70s. I've never been in my 80s. I don't know what it feels like, you know, but I want to give you that grace. Well, I said, I'm giving you one year to get a good attitude, and if you don't, (laughs) then we're going to have real problems, okay? And And I'm moving. (laughs) Right. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is not what I signed up for, and I promise you, Mom was like, this is not what she signed up for. And, guys, our home was bananas, So, our kids, there are, we we moved five minutes from their high school, Ensworth High School, for a reason. We had a pool. I mean, there are, guys, I walk in when my kids are 16. There are 10 cars in the driveway, a bazillion people at the pool. And, I mean, the house is just exactly the way I want it to be. But not the way she's accustomed for it being. And they're throwing down beach towels and, You know, they're, I mean, they're eating us out of house and home. I'm serious. And so mom, real funny story. um, And you'll help me on time. You're good. Okay. Real funny story. um, Mom, uh, so my kids are, you know, they're really athletic and they're playing volleyball and basketball and lifting weights and whatever. And so my oldest, I, I, you know, the, the day you wake up and you're like, you have put on a lot of weight. But you can't say that to your daughter, right? I'm just like, hey, guys, what are, what are we eating in the afternoons? What are we eating? And they said, oh, Mamaw is just fixing so much food, it's awesome.
3: And I'm like, I
1: go, really? Like, Like, what kind of food? And they said, well, you know, we have roast and potatoes and carrots. And then, oh, my goodness mom she really got the message that we weren't getting enough food and so now we have so much bread it's amazing I mean sister Schubert rolls and Texas toast and all this stuff and then if we're still not full we make cookies and we frost them and I'm like
3: okay
1: I'm getting the extra 10 pounds that everybody's walking around with hey mom no more bread (laughs) okay no more bread and however much food you think you need to make meat and vegetables just double it triple it whatever and mom would get frustrated because there'd be no food for hebe or me when we got home which by the way we could care less about and so those we tortured you I mean we actually tortured you and with food and when I mean just mom you've got to get with it mom if you need to eat I mean, get with it. you got to move faster. You've got to be with it. And, you know, I've never been in my 70s. I've never been in my 80s. And now I'm 55, and I'm like, you know, whoa. I wish that I had been more um, sensitive about sitting down and having a conversation with her to say, what do you need? I wish that I had said, girls, get outside, right, when she needed a minute. I wish, I wish, I wish that I had done things differently. Now, today she's amazing on Instagram. She takes Lyft when one of you don't take her. She is, um, comp- reads two books a week. My kids just think she is, how in the world could you be 87 years old and be that completely with it and so part of the beatings you got helped you right today (laughs) Um, helped you be all that you are today (laughs) so um, that's the the generational pulls um, that happened when mom talks about the girls and how much they loved even in the friction Um, in the family, how much they loved having her. I remember vividly coming home one night. Hebe and I were killing it. I mean, we're working 24-7. We are traveling with sports with the girls. I mean, we barely have a minute to spare. And I remember coming home and Rachel and Mom, guys, it was 5.30 in the afternoon. Rachel and Mom were in Rachel's bed reading. You know, that's not what I was doing with my kids. I didn't have time for that. And mom played that role, and that is a role that, I mean, that's forever, right? That's forever. And so, you know, for for this class and for what you guys do, I think that um, my message for you is uh, one of absolute brokenness, absolute redemption. And today in, in service, they talked about, Hope is still believing even though your past says everything to the contrary. So there was a time that mom and I were like, I mean, we're over. Okay? I don't like you. You don't really like me. It's not working out. You're not moving, but I wish you would. And she's thinking, (laughs) I wish I could move. Can we call Paulette? What can we do? (laughs) I mean, let's, we're going to have to have an intervention with Paulette. but, But the message of hope says... That no matter where we are, if you're 110 and if your kids in no way understand you, want to understand you, you don't understand them. I think my message uh, is of evolved relationships and redemption and owning our brokenness together. And um, it's imperfect in every way, but it's good. In the end of the day, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would do it again. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's, she, she hasn't said that yet. <laughs> She's not so sure on the doing it again.
3: <laughs>
1: but when I, when I told you guys that I wanted to fix her, when I gave her everything I could give her and my dad was not there wreaking havoc, she still wasn't happy. Because happiness isn't what happens on the outside. It's becoming at peace with your brokenness. Mm-hmm. And only Jesus provides that redemption. Um, he has redeemed me. He's redeemed you, Be our kids, you know, my mom. It's just, um, it's amazing. But but I guess when I look around at the gray hair in this room, <laughs> I'm, I dye mine Um, (laughs) because I'm so thrilled that you guys have each other and that you're together and that you're so incredibly beautiful and relevant. And, Nan, you know, you guys came to Operation Andrew when I got that award, and you couldn't have picked me out of a lineup, but you did that because you loved my mom, right? That wasn't for me. And that brought was, all my friends. And brought all. But but you know what that means? It's community. And it's what mom didn't have at 4th Avenue and that she has here. And so I would ask you guys to give grace to your children or the people that are in your circle. Because um, we are, we don't know what it's like to be Where you guys are, but we want to give that grace. We're just so hard headed and stuck in our ways and think we have all the answers and we just don't have all the answers. So I'm going to end with this because I want to open it up because we're going to answer any questions and we're going to tell the truth. Um, (laughs) So I was on a flight with a woman and um, I was leaving Baltimore. I travel a lot, and you know how you just sort of, sometimes you want people to talk to you, and most of the time I don't, but um, she was like, um, who are you, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, her mom moved in with her, and she said, you know, it's really, really hard, And but we've come to peace with that. She wasn't a Christian, and she said, but through the experience, I, she was 55, I'm 55 today, she was 55 at the time and she said, I have written a letter to my 80-year-old self. I wrote a letter to my 80-year-old self and when I'm 80, I'm reading it so that I can remember what it was like to be in between everything and having more to do than you could do. And she said, A, it's given me such peace and B... You know, it allowed me to get a lot of how I felt out on the table. But most importantly, when my children need me the most, I want to remember what it was like to be 55 at the time. So I thought that was an amazing idea. So I did it too. So this is my letter. And I read it to Mom last night, so she's not going to be upset. Um, You might have to read it. Okay. Um, oh, like I can Oh, like you can <laughs> You are the biggest baby in the world. Why would I turn to you? Okay, Paula, get, get on deck. Okay. And guys, I'm not a crier. She's the crier. I'm not. And here I am blubbering. Okay, to my 80-year-old self. Dear Deanna, I'm writing this to you when I'm 55 years old. I can hardly believe that number and can only imagine what you must be feeling now it is my hope that you're living a life of peace and contentment with your family the people you love the most while it may be hard for you to hear let me remind you about this time in your life so that you'll be more sensitive to the needs of your family so this is when I'm old remember or I'm 80 I'm really young I'm mature um Firstly, it is my hope that you're able to live on your own with Hubie. He's the most loving man and cares so deeply about your needs. Pray every day with him, remembering that God divinely put you together.
2: You want me to read it? Uh, you want me to read it? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Start right there. Because you're a good reader. Um,
2: oh, this time is a rewarding time, but also the time of the generational sandwich. little louder. Okay. As I take care of ma'am's Hubie work and the needs of my adult children, I'm often overwhelmed and lonely. My greatest need is for a safe place to cry, complain, and process difficult issues. I'm hopeful that you can remember what it feels like and that you can extend yourself to Adam, Rachel, and Becca in the following ways. Anytime you see them, no matter how you feel, greet them with a warm, loving smile and a caring hug. Keep up with what they're doing at work. Read what's going on in the world. Find ways to lighten their load. Order groceries for them. Make dinner for them. Listen to them for hours on end. Spend time discussing your pains and anxieties with your friends. Allow their family units to be uniquely themselves. Lean back and know that you are loved. I hope you have all your Mother's Day cards. Plan a once a week get together with each family. Remember that you have physical limitations. Embrace those and work around them. Be wise with your words. Never guilt-trip them for their busy schedules. Don't complain. They have enough of their own worries. Do not moan. Do not discuss your aches and pains. Do not overextend yourselves. You'll be no fun if you try to do too much. Where do you think she learned all that?
1: <laughs> it was somebody else, Mom. Yeah, it yeah. was somebody else. So so I did that because... Um, Again, I won't remember at 80 how I feel at 55, and so I would say give yourself grace in your own families, even when you can't relate to them. Um, I'm I'm really blessed to be able to do this with you. I think it was is healing for us, and it's authentic, and it is. Um, we've come full circle. I have. Thank you. Before.
2: Uh, to close, I would like to read uh, something that you may have heard before. Uh, Another we letter. We had both. Some of it, yeah. Some, uh, that Deanna found, and it's a letter from a mother to daughter. My dear girl, the day you see I'm getting old, I ask you to please be patient, but most of all, try to understand what I'm going through. If when we talk, I repeat the same thing a thousand times, don't interrupt to say, you said that a minute ago.
1: (laughs) I've never done that. Just
2: just listen, please. Try to remember the times when you were little, and I would read the same story night after night until you would fall asleep. And when I don't want to have to take a bath, don't be mad and don't embarrass me. Remember when I had to run after you making excuses and trying to get you to take a shower when you were just a girl? When you see how ignorant I am when it comes to new technology, give me time to learn and don't look at me that way. (laughs) Remember, honey, I patiently taught you how to do many things like eating appropriately, getting dressed, combing your hair, and dealing with life's issues every day. If I occasionally lose track of what we're talking about, Give me the time to remember, and if I can't, don't be nervous, or impatient, or arrogant. Just know in your heart that the most important thing for me is to be with you. And when my old, tired legs don't let me move as quickly as before, give me your hand. The same way I offered mine to you when you first walked. When those days come, don't feel sad, just be with me. And understand me while I get to the end of my life with love. I'll cherish and thank you for the gift of time and joy we shared with a big smile and the huge love I've always had for you. I just want to say I love you, my darling daughter. We're
3: going (laughs) home. You'll never see me again. Thank you so much questions for us
1: guys that we can yes I ma'am I want to know if it recorded I have three children who have grown up under alcoholism as well mm.
0: yes. and about
2: the sentimental my daughter I, I don't know I told her about tearing up in
3: Scott Broadway's beautiful face singing with Catherine suffering right by yes.
2: him and different things and how I turned up she said mom I've only seen you
1: cry twice in my
2: life and the other day it was, I said I don't know why in my old age I'm tearing she said mom
0: you were in survival mode for many years. <laughs> yes, you right. were.
2: So anyway, Anyways, but I definitely
0: want it. It's, it's taped, survival. and it should be on the, by about Wednesday. I think it'll okay. be on the autograph. I want my that. children to be able
2: to hear that. you yes. awesome. thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. She, she oh. makes me look a lot better than I really am. <laughs> no, that's
1: not true. Not true. <laughs> not true. anybody, anybody, anybody else? anything else? We are just so
3: happy to have her here. You, just you don't uh, know. She's a real... Oh, you're so sweet. Yes, ma'am. She's and so active that's yeah, Gail. So r- sweet. That's Gail. Gail's freedom. we
1: spend some time with Sue. And one of the things that, is a, that, that comes across so clearly to me is that both of you have chosen kindness. And
2: I hear from what Sue says,
1: things that she deliberately does because
2: it's important to you. And I hear things that she says that I know you have chosen to do Mm -hmm.
1: because it matters to her. And at the end of the day, kindness goes a very long way.
0: And you all have done that so very
1: well.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you. you. Okay, next week we have Phil Stinson talking about taxes.
3: (laughs) Oh, Oh, boy. more (laughs) fun. Switch i yeah. I'll be missing next time. <laughs> right. Thank you so much.